Good morning. We were continuing in our character studies in the New Testament this morning. And thank you, Paul and Dave. It was a great lead-in to the message this morning. We're, it's neat to recognize who we are, who the Lord is, and what He's done for us. And that's what we'll be doing a lot of this morning. We'll be looking at the ten men whom the Lord healed from leprosy. And we'll see the difference in their reactions to being healed, and then take a look at what it means to be thankful. So turn, please, to Luke chapter 17. And we'll read verses 11 through 19. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem, this is speaking of Jesus, uh, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give, give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. There's one distinguishing characteristic about these ten men, which is that they were lepers. So what did that mean to them, to be lepers, to have leprosy? Let's look at three different areas of their lives that would have been affected by this disease. The first is the most obvious one. It's the physical effects of the disease. It's a terrible disease. It disfigures the person, and it gradually ruins the skin. Areas of the skin will become numb, and once that happens, a person can hurt themselves in that area and not even know they did it, which will lead to further disfigurement, further disease, loss of a limb, and eventually death. Although the leprosy wouldn't kill these people, these men, uh, they couldn't expect to live long lives with this. And that's enough by itself to basically stop everything that they had going in their lives. But that's just the beginning. Second, let's think about the effect uh, of this disease on the man's life with his loved ones. This is, according to the law, what was to be done with a man who was found to have leprosy. Leviticus 13, 45, and 46. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare, and he shall cover his mustache and cry, Unclean, unclean, he shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This command was given to the Israelites on their way to the promised land. When they reached there, it meant that the lepers had to be 
away from towns, cities, away from everyone. Some of these men, probably a lot of them, had families when they became lepers. The younger ones may have been still living with their parents. Whoever their loved ones were, they had to leave. And it would be permanently. The only contact they could have from that point on would be distant. They, as much as they would want to be with their loved ones, they love them so much, they could, they, because of that, they would want to separate themselves because they wouldn't want to transmit the disease to those whom they cared about. And in fact, for the fathers, this would probably be even worse because they wouldn't be able to care for their families. Everything they touch becomes unclean. And then third, the effect on their lives with the rest of society. People would be scared of getting this disease. Obviously, they would get away from them as quick as they could. They'd throw stones at them to get get these lepers to leave. And since people believed that disease was, was the result of sin, these men would be looked down on. They must have committed some sin for God to be punishing them in this way. They're... No one thinks they're good. They're, these men are experiencing pain, sorrow, and hurt from so many different ways. That there are other areas that we haven't even talked about that, that, w- that would just be bothering them so much. And then they, come to Je- they came to Jesus. Verse 13, they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They're in a hopeless position and they know it. There's nothing they can do to remedy their position. But they're crying out to Jesus for healing. And Jesus responded, verse 14, So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. According to the law, it would have been further if we had kept reading in Leviticus, if they were cleansed, they were to show themselves to the priests so that they would be declared clean after they had been unclean. So what Jesus was saying here is that they would be healed. And they believe it. They go. As they went, they were cleansed. And what a wonderful word that must have been for them. To be cleansed. To be wiped clean. For all of this leprosy to be gone from them. And it would have meant so much to them. Let's just think through the three areas we had talked about before. First, Jesus restored their bodies completely. All the disfigurement was gone. They were whole again. They can't even find a trace of the disease. The only way that they could prove that they were lepers now is by their memory or by the memory of other people they had been around. There's nothing left. And Jesus has allowed them to return to their families. They would be reunited with the ones that they love. And more than that, they would be able to be with them forever for the rest of their lives. And again, Jesus has allowed them to be accepted in society. They won't be shunned by everyone and looked down on. They'll be accepted as ordinary men because that's what they are. Again, praise God, they're ordinary men. But now we have to separate these men and follow just the one. So verses 15 and 16. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. 
and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So why did he respond differently from all the rest? The other men here didn't think it was worthwhile to come and do this for Jesus. The difference was he realized what Jesus had done for him. He was whole, he was perfect now, but without Jesus, the rest of, rest of his life would have been as a leper and all the pain that that would have brought. Jesus now has given him everything back. And he sees in that also Jesus' love for him. And now, because of that, the most important thing, number one priority for him, is to come and express to Jesus how grateful he is. So he comes, he glorifies God with a loud voice, and he falls down on his face. These are really obvious demonstrations. And he's not doing it because he thinks it's the right thing to do or it's the proper procedure. No, he's, he's doing it because he's trying to show Jesus in the best way that he can how much this means to him. To do it quietly wouldn't be right. He wants to put everything that he can behind this. And he wants to humble himself before the one whom he can see is so good and is so good to him. He actually did two things here. Verse 15, he glorified God. Verse 16, he gave him thanks. Now, to the leper, he's just speaking what's in his heart. He's just overflowing towards God. But it really is two separate things. So let's take a look at the difference here. First of all, giving thanks is telling God how what he has done for me is so good and how much he has done for me. It comes from the heart. Again, it's not going to be words that we say, but the words will follow once, once the attitude is right. For the leper, I wonder what he gave thanks about. You know, it's sometimes the smaller things, the effects of what God has done for us that really make us think. Although the, the larger things, too, are very important, but sometimes it's the smaller things. I wonder if there was someone he had wanted to think that he had never been able to think, someone he had realized he had wronged that he had never been able to go and ask forgiveness of. And now Jesus has given him that opportunity. Besides the wonderful things that we've talked about, that his, his life, his family has returned to him. But also glorifying God. Glorifying God is recognizing how, recognizing how what God has done shows him to be great. It really doesn't have anything to do with us. We can see through what God does how he's loving, how he's just, how he's perfect. And we just tell him that or tell others that. So what could the leper see? He could see God's love, God's compassion on him. Psalm uh, 8, 3 and 4, David said, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? David was right when he said that, thinking about creation and what God that God should even think about him. For the leper, the lowest of the low, that God should do this for him is beyond belief. 
And if the leper had known, the ex-leper, when he was glorifying God, that he was glorifying the one standing in front of him, that would have just added another level to what he was saying. Now, frequently, these are both done together. It's We don't always try to separate out the one from the other. But it is useful to see the difference. And by way of contrast, turn to Romans chapter 1. We'll read verses 20 and 21. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. These people who have seen creation, they refuse to do either of the things we were talking about. They don't glorify God. What can they see about God? His power in creating this entire world. They don't thank him for all of this creation and what it does for them. They don't want to recognize God for who he really is. So now coming back to Luke chapter 17. Let's look at the reaction of the other nine, or actually lack thereof. We don't hear anything more about them. They went their own ways. They didn't uh, think it was important to come back to Jesus and thank him. Certainly they saw what they had been given, how their lives had been turned around. They had been lepers for years, probably. And they had experienced all of that pain, and now they, were, they, they realized that it was all gone. Why didn't they give God thanks? I believe it was because they took it for granted. They didn't recognize what God had done, God had done for them. He had healed lepers before at this time. Maybe they just took it as normal. This incredible thing that, that Jesus has done for them that no one could have even imagined doing. This wonderful thing. And it's normal. It's what he should have done, which is so untrue. But part of the reason I believe that is because that's our reaction too, sometimes, to what God has done for us. Not all the time. Sometimes we see clearly we recognize how much we owe to him. But I think we tend to get calloused. And we don't, we don't really think about what God has done for us. We tend to forget it because we don't try to remember it so much. And we don't think much of what God has done for us. These lepers had much to give things to God for. Their physical lives had been returned to them. But for us, we've gotten so much more than that. It's beyond comprehension. And I want to get some concept of what we have to be thankful for. 
And I'm only talking here about what he's done for us as believers. I'm not even going to include what he's done for us in creation. I'd like to group the ideas together into different areas. And what I intend to do by that, i give you two illustrations. The first one's totally wrong, but it's just by way of contrast. First illustration is grouping the areas of what God has done for us so that you can see here's one package, here's another package, here's another package. You can see at one glance what God has done for us. It's totally wrong because we can never comprehend everything that God has done for us in one glance, one thought. Much better illustration is to go out and look at the stars and look at the areas in the sky, the constellations, and you see a group of stars. But the closer you look, the more stars you see. And the closer you look after that, you see galaxies, which have so many stars we can't even count them. So this is not intended to be an exhaustive list, and even the areas won't even encompass everything God has done for us. But it should get us started. First area is Jesus' death on the cross for our sin. There's so much in that. First and foremost, we will never have to pay the penalty for our sin because Jesus paid it himself. Every one of our sins he took on himself. And this is what everything else depends on. If he had not done this, Nothing else would matter. First Peter 2.24 Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Also, he saved us when we were sinning against him. This is not necessarily something we have to be thankful for, but it's something we can glorify God for. That he would come to us before we'd repented, before we'd turned to see who we, who we are and what he how great he is. Romans 5.8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. All of our sins are gone. None of them were too terrible for him to pay for. Sometimes when we're saved, we recognize just how awful our sins, that they were against him or one particular thing that we've done. How could God forgive that when we recognize the implications of it and how how evil it must be to him. But John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. Also, he will not remember our sins. That's how far he is from our sins now. Jeremiah 31.34, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. We don't have to fear death anymore. So many people around the world are scared of what's going to happen to them when they die, and rightfully so. They fear that it's going to be something bad, and they, they can't imagine how bad it's going to be. But Hebrews 2.15, speaking of Jesus, that he might release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Also, that salvation is simple from our point of view. All we have to do is believe. It's not complex. It's not difficult to do, nor is it difficult to understand. Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. 
Second area of what we have to be thankful for has nothing to do with the cross. Not really. Our intimate fellowship that we have with God that he's given to us. We have an opportunity to know God, to experience his compassion, his justice worked out in our lives as we see what he does. 1 John 1.3, truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And based on that, our ability to come to him as our Father and bring the difficult things in our life, the things that trouble us, the problems that we're going through, and bring them to him as our Father and know that he will listen and that he will answer. 1 Peter 5.7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And then here's something to glorify him for. He's brought us into this close fellowship while we were while we're here on this earth. He didn't wait till we were in heaven and perfect. He works with us in our sin. Uh, I read First John one three before. Our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. A few verses later, John says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness." third area this is something that has to do with the future but it's wonderful we have a place in heaven forever so let's start building first of all we have joy we will have joy forever revelation 21 4 and god will wipe away every tear from their eyes also we will no longer sin as ashamed as we are of that in our lives now, it will totally be separate from us. First Thessalonians 4.17 Thus we shall always be with the Lord. If we're always with the Lord, we can't be sinning. And then actually what I had just said, we will be with Him forever. We will be with Jesus, the one who has loved us so deeply. John 14.3 I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. And it's not just to know Him as we know Him now. We'll get to know Him deeper and deeper throughout eternity. Ephesians 2.7 That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then the fourth area, and I'm sure there's many more, his care for us in our lives now. First, he's made us a new creation. He didn't just go fix the old nature that we had and work with that. He's given us a totally new nature that can please him. Second Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Also, he's given us victory over sin so that we can do what we could never do before which is live lives that are pleasing to God. Romans 6.6, 6, we should no longer be slaves of sin. And then he didn't just leave us here to work things out as best as we could, but he's building us up in him. James 1.3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then... To bring it all together, he works things together for good for us. Romans 9, 4. 
All things work together for good to those who love God. When we get to heaven and we can look back and see how God has worked in our lives, it will be wonderful to see what he's done for us. How can we demonstrate our thankfulness to God? It's not something we're going to paste on. Again, it's going to come from the heart. But it does help to see where it will lead. First of all, express to God. Thankfulness expressed to God in prayer. It helps keep us keep our focus straight. It helps to remind us who, of who we are and who He is. And to just pray as we should. Thankfulness expressed to other believers about God. Not only builds me up by speaking about it and remembering it, but it builds up the one whom I'm talking to and shows him... To, or her, just, just what Jesus has done. And expressed to unbelievers, it, we can just simply talk about what God has done for me. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. Just to talk about what they haven't experienced, how wonderful God is. And they can begin to see that. And then we'll we'll all see how to recognize how wonderful God is. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you that, Lord, we were absolutely nothing before you. We were sinners. We are sinners, Lord. Before you, uh, Lord, it's so wrong. But you came down and, Lord, you saved us. You brought us to be with you. Lord, you're so loving. You're so gentle. You're so caring for all of us. And, Lord, we, we pray that we would see this clearly. We pray that we would, Lord, always recognize how great you are and how great you are to us, Lord. We thank you again in your name. Amen.